This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about the automotive industry and how NetApp is helping car companies accelerate their digital transformation. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipork. Zipork. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and we are doing a podcast today about the automotive industry. Um, in case you don't know what automotive industry is, it's cars. But we'll talk more about what the automotive industry actually is here with our special guests uh, from EMEA. Uh, Marinal Devadas is here. Uh, Marinal, what do you do at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Uh Good day, everyone. The Minal Devdas. I am the director of technical solutions for the automotive vertical. Uh, I'm based in London, and I work as part of Chris Ott's organization, uh, focusing on automotive solutions for our global customers in this vertical. So, how did you get into the automotive industry, Marinal? I, I know you've been through different uh, phases of NetApp, and, and you left for a little while and came back. So, what brought you to automotive? Um, it's it's an industry that has been uh, going through some significant changes in the last uh, about about five to ten years now, and uh, the disruption has created a, a whole new environment for automakers to look at the transformation going about, uh, not just in the automotives themselves, but also in their business. Uh, personally, uh, you would have to ask Chris why he pulled me in, into his team. Okay, so let's do that. Chris, um, first tell us who you are and what you do and how to reach you, yeah. and then tell us why you stole Marinol from everyone else. Right, yeah. That, that's an easy answer. Yeah, so Chris Ott, um, managing the, the global um, accounts technical team um, for the automotive worldwide. Um, you can reach me at cot underscore netup. That's my Twitter handle. Um, and yeah, um, Minal has just <laughs> um, proven over the last couple of years over and over again that he can deal with new technology and, and getting together partnerships and solutioning and, and technology. And that's something that's really important in the automotive industry. Um, I think we as NetApp can offer a huge amount of benefit to our customers, um, more so than we have done already in the past, right? So we want to go outside the data center. Uh, we want to go closer to the car. We want to go closer into the cloud, and we want to connect it all um, with each other. And for that, we need strong partnerships and a strong understanding of technology, where it goes. Um, and well, that's what we're trying to achieve with the automotive vertical. All right, excellent. So um, we've, you know, we mentioned that automotive is cars, but it's a lot more than that, uh, and especially now uh, these days is with self-driving cars and autonomous vehicles and onboard computers and everything that's being put into cars. Uh, so Christian, you know, can you give me an overview of the industry in general? Yeah. So th that's uh, uh, easy, right? So <laughs> everybody likes cars. Everybody knows what cars is. Um, but um, no one's really aware of how many different external pressures really um, interact with the car and in the auto industry. Um, so we have that famous case, um, which stands for Connected, Autonomous, Sharing, and Electrification. Um, so those are four megatrends within the um, automotive industry. Um, and then, of course, at the moment, um, heavily impacted by corona. So um, you've probably heard from the news 
many of no, them. No, tell me more. I haven't heard anything about this. You haven't heard what, anything. What is this? Corona? Is it? Is <laughs> this it Corona stuff. Is it a beer? It, it's it's a nice beer. Yeah, Mexican beer. There you go. Pretty good. So, yeah. what sort of impact is Corona having on the industry? Well, first of all, um, you know, everyone that manufactures something had to shut down all the factories, which you know uh, creates zero uh, new products, which creates zero sales, and that creates a big big problem. Um, and um, the automotive industry, with their um, relatively long production cycles, um, you know, is impacted heavily by that, especially shutting down um, factories for a couple of months. And that's um, not good. Is it pushing these companies to rethink how they do manufacturing and you know how they do these factories? Are they looking more towards things like automation? Are they looking more towards things like you know robotics? Um, so, what sort of things do you see changing in that industry post Corona? Yeah, so absolutely all of the above, right? So the, the first reaction, I believe, is cash flow is king. Um, so we're trying to find areas where we can save money. Um, and then the next one is, how do you get out of this crisis with an advantage over the other ones? So how can you make use of uh, digitalization um, of the digital transformation um, to come out on top? And this is where we want to help. Um, so especially on the factory floor, um, there are a couple of very interesting things that, that you can think about doing with technology. With every shift in how things are done as well as something like a pandemic, you would start to see an, an influx of startups in the industry. So what sort of things are you seeing from the startups and what are they trending towards for, for their business models? Yeah, so um, when we're coming back to this case, um, there are startups in, in every one of those letters, right? Um, startups that um, that push the barriers on, you know, what kind of shared services um, there might be in the future in, in, in the car industry. Um, startups around autonomous driving um, and, and also around batteries and electric driving, right? And, and these kind of technology drivers, they have a huge impact on the traditional car makers because they are you know, finding themselves now in a new competitive environment where they have to compete with the speed and agility of someone that's born in the cloud and that creates a product in the cloud um, coming from an environment, um, you know, where everything used to be traditional and on-prem and, uh, and kind of how do you make that switch or how do you get the best of those two worlds um, uh, is kind of the challenge that most of the traditional car manufacturers are facing at the moment. So, Marinal, you know, Christian hinted at some of the challenges that startups are trying to fill. What other problems do these customers have with their with their industries, you know, whether it's corona affected or not? Like what were they facing before corona hit and what are they facing now? So one of the the big areas that has had uh, been on uh, the horizon for many of these automakers is automation. Uh the 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 typical automaker uh, has a very tight production line all the way from design to rolling out the car into production. Uh, the current environment has caused that, as Christian described, uh, uh, to be completely lopsided now. The result of that is uh, bringing in a certain level of resiliency is, is becoming a critical uh, conversation discussion, is, is how can I make sure that I have uh, failover systems in my production environment? The uh, other impact of this is that as the startups have begun to come in, uh, automakers are now faced with a tough choice. 
do I create a new organization to reflect that same use case? Or do I acquire the startup company who have done the initial groundwork to get this going? And we see this manifesting itself in many ways. Uh, certain car companies have created an entire software division, whereas others are acquiring or partnering uh, with uh, startup companies or even with other automakers. And this is something that we, we would not have foreseen uh, uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, and that's the scale of disruption that we are ex expecting to see. The Renault-Mitsubishi-Nissan alliance is one example, the uh, partnership between Daimler and BMW to jointly create uh, engines for the next generation of the respective lines is another example of how we see uh, customers reacting uh, to this changing market. So these companies are basically partnering up to kind of take some of the ex expenses out of research and design and try to come up with the best possible product for their lines. Is that kind of the way I understand it? That's it. As, as Chris described, cash is king. Uh, so anything that helps you preserve your cash and, and get to that next uh, set of values that you can offer to your customer is what uh, companies are looking to deliver. And there are a variety of ways this can be done. And uh, all options today are on the table. So you mentioned automation and companies using that more and more now. What sort of products or solutions does NetApp offer with the automation piece for the for these automotive industries? Um, so that's the tricky question. We we offer capabilities to help enable automation. We do not have automation solutions themselves, and this is goes back to Chris's point earlier of having partnerships. Uh, we provide a, a capability that is unique in the industry of being able to have data that is shared across multiple uh, divisions within the organization and provide a single source of truth for data all the way from the point it is created, either on the factory floor or in the automotive, all the way to business planning uh, at, at the far end where customer experience and uh, intimacy uh, factors are factored in for creating uh, the next generation of services to our customers. And what we want to do is provide uh, this uh, plane of data over to application uh, services that sit on top, uh, working with the customer's business requirements and deliver uh, a seamless experience uh, to the uh, end consumers. I mean, we do have things that plug into automation, right? Like we have our REST APIs and we have our Ansible modules that you can consume and add into your existing infrastructure. So, you know, I, I would say that we have solutions that fit into the greater overall solution. Absolutely. And that uh, API interface is what, it's what's, is what makes us unique in the market. Because if you create a, a process which connects to our data services in the cloud, and doesn't matter which hyperscaler it is, you can pull that uh, pipeline or pull that module and replace it in your data center or any other environment which has NetApp systems running on it, and nothing else needs to be re-architected because the APIs are consistent. So how are companies adopting the cloud? I mean, are they moving towards it very quickly? Is it something that's strictly only for certain segments of the industry, like such you know autonomous driving, trying to get IoT uh, data uploaded to cloud for their on-prem sites? Where's the cloud fitting into the automotive industry? So on the operational technology side of the business, uh, the answer is it depends. So if you look at a company like Waymo, you see them aggressively adopting the cloud because of their heritage of uh, being linked to Alphabet and having uh, 
come from Google as well. But the traditional automakers have got a mixed approach. There are certain ideas and projects that are piloted and sandboxed in the cloud. Uh, production environments, we still see them residing primarily in the data center. But this is early days. Uh, we could see this evolve over time. Uh, but as we see it today, uh, the companies that are born in the cloud, startups, uh, are quite aggressive in adopting cloud technologies. Uh, traditional players are still figuring out what is the best model that will work for them. Do you think that the the reluctance or the slow migration to the cloud has to do with the um, time-held tradition of keeping your cards close to your check, chest in the industry, basically you know, hiding your intellectual property and, and the concern of having it being in the cloud being susceptible to being you know, stolen or pirated? Um, do you think that's part of the, the cloud reluctance that's happening here? So I think, Justin, you're right that IP uh, is something that is sacred for companies and they want to protect it uh, and make sure that they do not bleed revenue by, by others having access to proprietary work and a lot of R&D that's gone into it. However, I do not think that uh, that has stopped people from adopting the cloud. If, if you look at financial services customers, uh, many of them have got uh, their core business functions running in the cloud. With automakers, uh, we have a, a similar view as well. Um, almost every hyperscaler, in fact, every hyperscaler, if, if you type in autonomous vehicles, uh, the first page of uh, search results will have uh, services available from every single hyperscaler out there. Uh, what we need to keep in mind is along with that, uh, what are these hyperscalers doing uh, in the industry? And we see that uh, Google, as part of their portfolio of companies, has invested uh, heavily in, uh, in Waymo. Uh, and more recently, we see Amazon is in conversations with uh, acquiring a company called Zooks, who can deliver personalized autonomous uh, driving services. Uh, Microsoft is the only one who does not have their own mobility service planned. Uh, but just like everyone else, they have got a fantastic range of, of IoT and ADAS AV services that customers can take advantage of. And I think uh, those factors uh, will definitely have an influence on decisions that are made by uh, automakers uh, when they choose which hyperscaler should they invest in. I just feel like the automotive industry in general has been notoriously uh, paranoid, um, and for good reason, right? I mean, there's always things happening where you know technology is being star stolen from other companies and and leveraged in you know in their cars so you know it, it's for good reason but i think is the concern valid you know is is the cloud security there or does it still have a way to go i think the cloud is secure uh no one would uh, adopt the cloud if it was not secure we see banking and financial services adopt the cloud in, in a massive scale and they are definitely one of the more paranoid uh verticals that are uh, out in the industry today. Pharmaceuticals use the hyperscalers quite extensively. So I don't think it is a question of, is my data secure? I, I think there are other factors which we are not potentially privy, uh, privy to that might be deciding uh, or aiding customers in the decision on which cloud to adopt. Uh, eventually, I think uh, if clouds are not secure, we would not be seeing this uh, disruption of hyperscalers across uh, the IT in, uh, industry. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I'm not suggesting that clouds aren't secure. I'm, what I'm saying is, there's a perception there that clouds are not secure. Yeah, and I would, I would almost say this this perception exists, but it's it's going away. 
I think at the moment the focus is really around cash flow. It's it's about cost. It's about agility, right? The, the concept cloud is really more an operational model, and the question then is where do I do that, right? Do I do it in house or do I do this externally? And that has something to do with cost. It has something to do with agility. It has something to do with internal skills. It has something to do with heritage in IT, right? How can I transform the IT that I have and where I want it to be? And I think the result is going to be um, over long um, a multi-hybrid cloud. So we will see all of the above. We will see um, companies starting new business ideas in the cloud because it's simply quicker. You have you know absolutely um, no um, huge effort to to ramp up um, enormous amounts of compute and storage powers um, to to try a new project to to develop a, a new application. And once it is at a certain scale and it's more predictable, I believe the cost factor will drive it back home into the data center. Um, and there needs to be an interconnect to enable that. And that's our data fabric. Yeah. So basically, you know, everyone's going to start from different places, whether you're starting from on-prem or the cloud, but everyone's going to eventually end up in the same place, which is hybrid cloud model. And a good example of that is what we are seeing uh, with autonomous driving, where all the investment going into AI uh, is currently being uh, accelerated with all the models available in hyperscalers. Uh, And we see many of the hyperscalers have a repository of models that automakers can readily use. Once these ideas are are tried out and they find something that's suitable, I think uh, we will see that, as Chris described, find the right balance of where do where do we put this data set and how exactly do we scale this? So, you know, you mentioned that people will eventually end up with a hybrid cloud, whether it's coming from on-prem or coming from the cloud. The question then becomes, how do they get there? And so what do we do at NetApp that helps people move either to the cloud or from the cloud to on-prem? One of our colleagues who's not here, uh, Robert Nagy, has uh, has extensive experience with his customers working in the Americas on this topic. And he has proposed something that uh, we, we call as a data pipeline, which talks about how do we uh, enable a, a seamless and, and, and pain-free flow of data from uh, across different points within the life cycle of, of data. And this has been enabled by delivering some something that uh, can be termed as intelligent data services that figures out the characteristics and the capabilities of the data set and then move it across uh, from point A to point B. You, would, you might have heard this prototype described in an earlier uh, session called the control plane for AI, which talks about how do we integrate uh, our services and provide additional features uh, to uh, uh, machine learning workflows through Jupyter Notebooks. I feel like there was a missed opportunity there to call it something like data freeway or something, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're automotive. Why, why would it be? Data Autobahn. Yeah, data yeah. Autobahn. Perfect. Christian should work in marketing. So with the automotive industry, I'm guessing that a lot of stuff happens on the manufacturing floor that's, you know, maybe a, a little bit old timey, right? Like they maybe use manual processes or manual inspections. And I'm guessing that things like AI and machine learning can help accelerate some of those jobs. So how is that happening today? Yeah, so today there's lots of opportunity um, for us on the shop floor, right? So we see that there's aged equipment from an IP, IT perspective um, we see that there is a lot of opportunity to connect um, machines with each other and to enable companies um, you know, 
transition into the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and, and that is something that we are calling, or that is in general called OTIT convergence. Um, so connecting the shop floor with the central IT and enabling new business models, um, more data analytics, and smarter decisions um, up to something that's in the industry called lot one production. So super individualized mass production. So Marinal, can you give me some examples of, of that? Like what are people doing to accelerate that and how are they leveraging it in real world use cases? Uh, I can give one example. Uh, so one of our uh, major customers in the North, in North America, they were approached by their uh, automaker customers in turn saying that the truck frames that were being supplied uh, to these automakers had a high number of defects in the welding of the truck frames. Uh, and they were asked saying, is there anything that you can do to improve the quality of weld inspection and, and deliver uh, a higher quality products back to the uh, truck, man- uh, truck producers? So the uh, frame manufacturer reached out to consulting companies and we responded along with IBM with an AI-based uh, edge inferencing solution that used video and acoustics to measure and inspect the quality of the weld uh, on the production floor and then identify that with a high degree of accuracy. By doing uh, this kind of machine learning at the edge, we were able to help the uh, frame manufacturer to reduce the defect defect of wells from 2% to 1%. And this reduction of defect in a single factory floor led to multiple millions of dollars of savings for one factory. And this particular customer has got close to 100 factories like this across the world. So simple benefits uh, of of, of very uh, incremental steps have massive significant savings uh, to customers in this space. So it's interesting that, you know, you brought this example with automation. It helps make things run faster and, and with less human interaction. But I would guess that automation might have actually contributed to the defects there, right? Like once you get a defect into the automation process, that gets repeated, uh, yes, that's likely, but this this is an iterative process. Uh, li- like any other learning, uh, the models will keep uh, being refined and keep being improved. Uh, uh, this manufacturer has a job description which says master welder, and that job description is for an individual who is an expert worldwide and is recognized as someone who can identify defects in wells. But a person cannot scale to that uh, to inspecting hundreds of factories overnight. But an an algorithm can. An algorithm can be easily replicated, copied, cloned, and and improved, and rolled back if you need to. If you make mistakes, humans uh, are known to take time to roll back, but uh, inferencing models are much easier to do, uh, to roll back. And things like this is what uh, customers are looking to achieve. And in multiple surveys, uh, the number one thing that factory managers want to see when they introduce IT to the factory floor is improve quality reduce risk. And, and anything that helps them achieve that, they're, they're more than interested in welcoming into their factory floor. What sort of things are in the future for the automotive industry? Like what's in store for it? What sort of new things we'll be seeing down the line? You, you hear about the, uh, the, uh, the aspirations of many automakers to have autonomous cars at certain points in time. 
I think uh, it's hard to comment on when that will happen, but autonomous vehicles absolutely is, is a, a, an ambition for every single automaker out there. I think on the journey to that, having uh, uh, assisted driving systems, uh, which help you uh, reduce risk while you're on the road and improve drive comfort are things that are going to be, uh, we're going to see. So things like adaptive cruise control, uh, we expect to become more commonly ad adopted across uh, ca uh, across cars. Uh, Battery-operated vehicles are also gaining prominence, so we expect that uh, to have a, a big change in the industry. All of that is going to be linked to software that can manage the control systems within the automotive and manage the battery effectively. So uh, things like Kubernetes uh, inside the vehicle is something that we think uh, could have a huge role to play. Connected cars. Uh, so just like our smartphones receiving updates from the uh, manufacturer, cars receiving software and firmware updates for the entire car or for subsystems, like app updates, is things that we are beginning to see in the industry. Uh, I, I think the limits are uh, what you want them to be. Uh, anything that is driven by software has massive potential for change and massive potential for disruption. And I don't think we have explored every possible opportunity uh, as we stand here today. So how do you see the industry handling the long haul type of cargo drives, right? Like the, like the truck drivers, because, you know, if you're going to spend hours and hours inside of a cab, I would imagine that a lot of this autonomous driving technology would be very useful to them. Do you see that being adopted more with those use cases or are you seeing it more in the commercial industry where people just want it for comfort? Uh, personally, I expect to see autonomous trucks uh, become a reality before we see uh, autonomous passenger cars out on the road. Uh, this is by nature of how autonomous trucks are managed. Most autonomous, most uh, goods trucks are uh, are on motorways and autobahns going between warehouses. They do not have to navigate complex urban traffic. And if you look closely to the headlines, many of the successes that you have seen of, of trucks shipping various things um, across state lines, ac across country, across continents, have been goods that have been transported between warehouses. And I would expect autonomous trucks to be uh, available as for mass production before we see autonomous vehicles uh, at the same scale. Yeah, and I also think that taking the human element out of it where, you know, because people get tired and that creates accidents, you know, having that become more of a autonomous driving technology doing this instead of having somebody who gets tired of the wheel doing it is going to be a benefit as well. It'll, it'll drive down accidents. It'll reduce highway deaths. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of good that's going to come out of that. So the role to NetApp for NetApp in all of this is when you have a system like this that is doing autonomous driving and or has taken over certain functions of driving out on the road, a key requirement would be if something happens, do we have an audit trail of the decisions taken and what exactly were the outcomes of the decisions? Being able to trust a kind of a black box like what we have for airplanes, having, having something like that in automotives that anyone can forensically analyze and show that this is what happened. Being able to roll out new versions of autonomous driving or control systems onto vehicles uh, seamlessly and switch a roll forward and roll back between those versions is going to be critically uh, relevant to many of these uh, businesses that are working on those capabilities. Being able to secure sensitive data because many of these systems might rely on uh, monitoring the driver 
you cannot have a driver monitoring software available across your company. You will need to make sure that certain governance policies are in place. You are compliant with various regulations uh, within your uh, country and across the industry. All of those things require strong data governance principles uh, in your organization. And you should be able to do that no matter where you choose to build your development models. And again, as we go back to what we said earlier, NetApp can help you do that. You can sandbox your privacy ideas in the data center. And once you have got confidence that the model is robust, you can place them anywhere you want to uh, in the hybrid multi-cloud world uh, and, uh, and vice versa. If you need to move it and if you need to make a decision on is my data sitting at the right time at the right place, decisions like that uh, are enabled by using our, our monitoring tools that monitor all aspects of your organization's data. Pop quiz here. Um, what are your top three NetApp features or products that have made the automotive industry easier to sell to? Mirnal. Top three features that have made it easy. And it doesn't have to be in order. It doesn't have to be like number one, number two, number three. Just yep. the three features that come to the top of your mind that made it much easier to to sell to the automotive industry. Uh, it's it's surprisingly the, the simple things that we have done in the past. Uh, things are cloning. Uh, is, is the first thing that comes to my mind is the ability to to test and validate at scale across multiple scenarios is greatly enhanced by being uh, by the ability to clone data rapidly. Uh, a new capability that we have been working on for the last few releases is our uh, APIs across the NetApp portfolio. Uh, the ability to use the same set of APIs no matter where you are is another key benefit that we see. Uh, and I'll need to think about the third one. What else could it be? Um, Flex groups. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Had a little cough. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say uh, snapshots would, would no! be, again. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Snapshots Something that we had from, from, from day zero of being able to have a, a, a guaranteed data set and have the confidence that this, had, this data has not changed. As a German, I have to add Metro Cluster, of course. Oh, absolutely. So, Christian, do you have anything to add besides Metro Cluster? Like any other features that Mirinal missed that you think are, are advantageous here? Yeah, I think um, Trident would definitely be one, right? Connecting um, the, the, the growing amount of containers that are being used to develop new business models, to develop new software um, to a central storage repository is, is really an absolutely key feature. Um, and, um, and I guess everything that has anything to do with, with consumption-like services, right? So everything that we do in the cloud and the hyperscalers, that enables our customers to quickly ramp up new things, try out new things, and be agile. Um, and I think that's key. So, uh, Christian, do you have anything else you want to add about how we do things with the automotive industry? Yeah, I think um, from a you know, production perspective, there are also new business models to be found and, and to be created one of my favorite examples is, um, you know, the purchasing process today um, of, of buying a car. You know, you, you kind of go to your dealer, you order a car, um, and you're done with it. Six months later, um, you get your car, right? and, and that is it. Kind of. And analysis have shown that, that um, customers really don't like uh, that kind of experience. Um, so what we're definitely seeing is a change in that. Uh, one example is, for example, Tesla. Um, they have been the number one car provider in the UK in the month of March. It seems a little bit odd, um, but, you know, Corona helped them. 
Um, no one was able to sell cars, um, but Tesla has already figured out how to sell cars online. Right? Um, so they are a step um, in front here. So I can think of other business models that will you know, kind of capture this market um, and, and will develop from here. Um, so, for example, you order a car um, and then two months later you get a message from the car manufacturer that says, look, you have ordered the regular cloth seats um, for a special discount and we can offer you the leather upgrade now um, for 50%. Um, than original, right? And this solves kind of two problems. Number one, it in increases um, the experience on the customer side. And number two, it connects, um, you know, the, the company that produces the car with the ability to, to kind of clear stock or kind of get rid of, of certain components that they have uh, on stock um, and, and react to those kind of things quicker and more flexible than in the past. So connecting, you know, the, the central IT and the production process um, will give customers eventually a better service and, and new business models that they can charge for in the end. All right, Marinol Christian, thanks so much for joining us today and giving us the insight and in how the automotive industry works and how NetApp fits in there. Uh, Christian, again, if we wanted to reach you, how would we do that? Cot underscore NetApp is my Twitter handle. All right, and Marinol? Uh, Marinol underscore NTAP is my Twitter handle. All right, excellent. Uh, thanks again for joining us. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Christian Ott and Miranel Devados for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.